yeah, we'll keep going. Um, yeah, yeah, good. Um, so I was remember when I first got to Kazakhstan, um, where I lived for many years. Um, one of the things I noticed was that if you went into a room, um, all the men shook the hands of all the other men. So, and you couldn't, or if you walked up to a group of guys, you had to shake everyone's hand. Uh, which, if it's a large room, like if you walk into a room of like 30 men, like you're on, you're on the move. Uh, it gets quite busy. Um, so initially it was like, oh, and I'd forget, and I'd forget. Um, but then I learned, and it was only later that I realized, this is really annoying, or maybe it's not annoying. And then I noticed, as I spent more time in that culture, foreigners would come and not know the rules, and they'd walk into a room, they'd shake hands with some of the people and not with me, and I'm like, I feel very dishonoured. <laughs> and so you can see, like, it seemed like a strange thing to me, but after a while, it was actually, this is a lovely thing, actually, that with each of those handshakes, I'm making a connection, and I'm honouring the other person, right? So maybe you found that in, in your cultural context, that some of those things that you step into and you go, well, this is really strange and silly um, when you take a few steps back, ask a few better questions, you realise there's something really good in this. Um, so what's the link? Uh, the, yeah, the link is that... Um, links to last week. Like the first couple of Sundays that we're together, really wanting to set us up with an understanding of where we believe the Lord's taking us um, and how we're going to get there. So if, you, if you're sort of thinking about Viva and trying to figure out what Viva's about, this is actually a good, good couple of Sundays to be here. Um, now, last week, in terms of where vision, where Viva, Viva is headed, we actually got some hoops to help explain that. And the hoops are here. Yeah? And this, this hoop was heaven. heaven. And this hoop was... Uh, yeah, that's right. And is anyone feeling brave enough to tell the story in 30 seconds with the hoops? Does anyone have a go? No? Okay, it's way too late on a Sunday afternoon to expect that kind of shenanigans. Um, God's original plan was... Yeah, heaven and earth together, right? Then... They do stick, actually. It's quite funny. Um, then heaven and earth were separated, right? And how were heaven and earth separated? Yeah, by us. <laughs> by choices we made, right? We thought we could do better. Yeah, so God's... Yeah, we thought we could do better. So this, and we define heaven as God's space and earth as our space. And they were supposed to be together, but we thought, actually, God, we don't need your space. We don't need you. We'll, we'll take this from here. Yeah. And that had huge implications, massive implications. And you'll find in the Bible, you'll find words like sin to describe what, what that brokenness was. Um, and, yeah, I won't tell all the story again, but suffice to say that um, humans 
were the reason that heaven and earth were sort of separated. It was our rebellion against God, I guess. But God didn't leave humans. He wasn't like, well, I'm done with humans. I'm going to go with border collies. They're much more compliant. He, um, he, he, he set out to rejoin heaven and earth. And the way he decided to do that was through humans. The problem was also going to be the solution. If that makes sense. But he had, but he had an issue because he it was like, okay, the humans are the cause of the evil in the world. How do I fix the evil in the world without destroying humans? That was kind of his problem, wasn't it? And so he decided, well, I will become human and I will be destroyed by evil. And that's what happened on the cross. But that's not the end of the story, right? Because Jesus was resurrected and a new life came. And so sin and death and Satan were defeated on the cross. And then a new life came where Jesus was that temple, wasn't he? Of heaven and earth meeting. And then you became, followers of Jesus became the temple and were filled with the Holy Spirit to bring heaven to earth everywhere. And that's a really short summary of a really big story. <laughs> so I apologise if some of that's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Fair enough. Hang around. But I wanted to give it a quick summary. So I wanted to just put that out there again. Um, and I brought a whiteboard because I love whiteboards. Um, but I think this is going to be too short. So I'll just move that. And all the furniture will come crashing down. Um, so, if, if you look at, and we talked about, we had that lovely phrase at the end. Do you remember what the phrase was? In, on earth as it is in heaven, and we localised it a little bit more. Do you remember the phrase? In Hornsby as it is in heaven. Yeah. As it is in heaven. So if someone asks you, so what's Viva about? Like, what's, what's Viva want to see? You know, it's like, oh, they're those nut bars that, that, <laughs> that, that believe that in Hornsby, like, that's what God wants for Hornsby. He wants heaven to come to earth in Hornsby. That raises a lot of questions, doesn't it? But that's what we're about. And that's not our mission. And it's not the other church or the other church or the, all those crazy church. <laughs> that's God's mission. That's God's mission. He wants to bring heaven to earth in Hornsby. He wants God's space and our space to be one again in Hornsby. And we did that exercise on the tables and just imagining what would that be like if Hornsby was, if heaven came to Hornsby. I know I had a chat to Michelle and she was like, it'd be safe. Like, that's a great word. It'd be safe. And we explored a whole bunch of things and prayed into that, didn't we? And just go, wow. And began to imagine what would heaven on earth in Hornsby look like? Because we know the end of the story, right? The end of the story is that, those two things together. For those people that are followers of Jesus, there's this restoration of heaven and earth, right? That's the end of the story. God's judgment, the restoration of heaven and earth. But we're on the way to that. And so in between then and now, God's caught us up in this story, which says, yeah, it's possible to see heaven on earth in Hornsby. What would that look like? I don't know, but it's 
we have, we have inklings of it, right? And then the next question that's connected to that is, so what's the path to that? So if that's kind of the thing we see or the thing we imagine, then what's the path, right? And that's what I wanted to talk about today. What's the path? Um, and the path is really simply, I shouldn't answer my question, but that's it. Following Jesus. Okay, well, that's pretty simple. Because if you think about like, say you have a tennis ball and you think, I want the tennis ball to go over there, right? I want the oh, tennis ball to break that window. Um, I know what I need to pick up to get the tennis ball to break that window. Ideally, I grab a tennis racket, right? Awesome. That is, that is purpose built to put that tennis ball through that window, right? Um, if I have a candle, am I going to pick up a tennis racket? No? Going to pick up a match, right, to light a candle. We know that, right? We, certain things we use for certain purposes. And so when God decided, I'm going to bring heaven to earth, he decided, I'm going to use human. And he still decided, I'm going to use human. Not border collies. Like he's going to, I'm going to use humans, right? Um, and so God's big design, right, for how heaven was going to come to earth is by people following Jesus. Simple? That's God's big design. It's cool, right? Could have done it a whole bunch of different ways, but actually looked at this tennis ball needs to go through that window. The perfect tool for that is tennis racket. Heaven needs to come to earth. The perfect tool for that is redeemed humanity. Redeemed humanity. So humans filled with the Spirit of God are the perfect vehicle for heaven to come to earth. That's what, that's what God decided. So then our question becomes, so how do we do this? How do we do this, right? And I just want to, and I'm, I'm going to talk about sort of three things, I guess, today. No, I, I won't. Three things are too many. Um, okay, no. I'll, I'll, stick, I'll stick on one thing today and then talk about the two other ones next week. But I want, I want you to pause for a second and um, think about following Jesus, okay? And I want you to cast your mind back to the original story. Now, I don't know if you've read the Gospels in the Bible, uh, the story of, you know, the, the account of Jesus' life. Right at the beginning of those stories, there are these people called the disciples. So, tell me some of the things about the disciples' experience when they initially met Jesus. What happened for them? What were some of the things that happened? They got new, new, strange, new strange things happened for them. What were some of the things that you think of when you think about, oh, the disciples, yeah, they met Jesus and this changed. Just popcorn it. I mean, or you can be shy and I can answer the question. Or I don't mind. It's, sorry? They left, they left home. They really did. Huge change, right? They left home. Okay. Yeah, that would, you think about that's a really, I mean, Matt's about to do, you know, it's like, that's a big deal leaving home, right? Something about Jesus that was compelling enough for them to leave home. Yeah, they left home. Yeah, what else? 
They left their careers. Oh my goodness. So home careers, the stakes are like, I don't know. Yeah, you can work remotely when you travel these days, but like if you're leaving home and career, stakes are really high. Yeah, something else. Yeah, they trusted him. Yeah, okay. So they, so that was a big change. That was a really big change. And I, I want, I want to say, like, just to speak to that Emma, like, it was trust, but it was more than that as well. And you, and you think, you think within the frame, like within that cultural frame, you know how they call, they use the word rabbi with Jesus. So within, which we don't have in our culture, obviously, but the idea was that they had just effectively signed up with this rabbi. So their rabbi became their teacher and really their master. So they actually took off their hats in terms of, I'm running my life. No, I'm, I'm now, I'm, I'm listening to the rabbi. So you have a new teacher and you have effectively a new master. And I think that's something as Westerners we don't understand at all. <laughs> like, we don't even have a frame for that anymore, I think. But that was very real for them. I was like, okay. I'm no longer in charge here. I'm no longer the one calling the shots. I've actually started, I'm starting to follow this, this rabbi and he is telling me how to live. Massive shift, right? And I expect that he will ask me to do things that I won't necessarily understand. But I will listen to him because he's my rabbi. Would they have been under other rabbis before they left? What time would they have left? Uh, they, yeah, it depends on, I mean, I don't know, like I'm not a scholar in this, but as I understand it, most of the guys that he picked up were losers. <laughs> so, so, so basically the really, the really young, young guns who were showing real promise in terms of learning the Bible or learning the Hebrew scriptures, etc. most of those guys would have got picked up by other rabbis. But these guys who are fishing and that kind of stuff are probably people who didn't get picked. So it's kind of like, okay, you're the C team maybe. No one really wants you to play. And Jesus comes in and says, oh, no, 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 come follow me. Wow, but I thought I was disqualified. Like exactly like what Matt was saying, right? I thought I was disqualified. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I want you on my team. Isn't that cool, right? So you've got these guys who are like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not entitled here. It's not like I'm the big cheese. I'm not the big cheese. I'm just lucky to be, and I can't believe I'm being invited into rabbi school. I thought I was done for. So yeah, so that, so new teaching, yeah, new rabbi. What other changes do you think for the, for the disciples? Maybe not a change, but they made mistakes. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they were definitely straight into a learning community, right? All of a sudden it's like, because these guys, a bunch of them were fishermen, right? It's like pretty accomplished fishermen. I know how to fish. I'm good at fishing. And suddenly they've been thrown into this like a totally new career, right? It's like, oh no, there's <laughs> all this stuff I can learn, I have to learn. And I don't know, I'm not, I'm not master at any of this stuff and I'm actually making embarrassing mistakes. Yeah, that's part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of them, one of them got a name change. Yeah, they got name changes. So that was really emblematic of a, a total identity change, right? You know, it was like to Peter, right? Uh, you've been fishing for fish, but I'm going to make you fisher, fisher of men. Mm. Yeah, Simon became, yeah, Simon became, you know, became rock, Peter. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it would have been interesting as well for 
call Christ a rabbi, their rabbi, but then have Jesus sort of not sort of um, work within the constraints of, that they were used to, that rabbis would have been trained for. Yes. So that, that concept of trust that, I'm sorry, you mentioned. Yeah, Emma, yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, so it's sort of, you're the rabbi, but you're not. And, and, and you can see when Jesus starts teaching, all the people are like, whoa, whoa, you're not like the other rabbis. You've got authority. This, whoa, when you speak, something lights up inside me. What's going on with you? Like that's their experience of Jesus. It's like, wow, this guy, he's not, he's not a cookie. Cookie cut guy here. He's sort of like, but sort of not. Yeah, they're trying to figure him out. Yeah, absolutely. So they, get, they also get new friends, right? You don't get to choose the other disciples. <laughs> and you can see they don't all get on, right? Some of them do. Some of them are brothers, and, and some of them have been mates for ages. And then some of them really haven't. And you can see those personality clashes, right? So you get new friends as well. You get a new community. So some of the, some of the new stuff, like you get a new master, right? And connected with that is new teaching. And I want to suggest that connected with that is new habits. You saw, you see when, like these guys, they're like, uh, Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? They're good, they're good Jewish boys, right? But it's like, no, you do it different. <laughs> like, can you teach us how you do that? Because we've never seen anything like that. They've seen plenty of people pray, right? But they're just, they meet Jesus and like, oh, there's prayer and there's prayer. <laughs> That's different. Don't know what you're doing, but teach us how to do that. That's incredible. And they, they, there's this new, there's new habits and and just ways of like Jesus is modeling this different way of life. And and obviously, you know, the Sermon on the Mount in terms of his teaching is so much about. I know you've heard it. That's how you do life. That's not. There's there's more than that. Like I want you to love your enemies, not just eye for eye. Love your enemies. So I have a grid for that. How would I love my enemy? Are you, are you serious? I don't want you to judge anyone. And don't look lustfully at women. Sure, but we're, we're kind of a bunch of blokes just hanging out, right? With you, right? We're blokey blokes. Fishermen. Oh. <laughs> How do you do any of that, Jesus? So it's a, sense of, it's a sense of stepping entirely into a new culture, right? Because what Jesus is living is heaven on earth, right? And I haven't seen that before. But Jesus is showing that this is what human, when human lives heaven on earth, this is what it looks like. Jesus is showing them that and he's teaching them that, right? So they get new habits. They get a, they get a I'm just going to list some of these, right? They get that new community. Sorry for my M's. Um, they, get, they get the new community, right? In terms of those annoying friends. They get a very broad community. Well. They get a broad community. Right, he's breaking all those social mores. He's absolutely, yeah, so it's a new broad community. Yep, yep, that's great. Um, broad and diverse, I guess, would be. Yeah, he's, I mean, Jesus is doing, he's talking to women in a way that he, no one, you know, he's, he's giving them dignity that no one had really given them. He's breaking the rules. Yeah, he's breaking the rules. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that and that's uh, yeah, that's kind of that. It is a rabbi path, but it's a totally different one. So we've seen it and we haven't seen it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like there was a growing issue with the church around people in the rest of the community. So there was a growing sort of dislike or yes. en enemies were, were starting to rise up. Yeah, new, that's it. New opposition. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, so, and they're, they're seeing that, as, as David said, like in terms of the enemies, they're like just the people, but they're also seeing it demonically, right? Like Jesus, Jesus comes around and, and demons are just manifesting. I was like, what's going on there? Um, now, connected with that, with new opposition, is, is you see also um, new authority. And connected with that, probably to say that, is, is new purpose. So, and this was what we talked about with Peter, right? In terms of, he's like, I'm trundling along through life. I don't know what he was thinking about God. I, I, I have no idea. But he comes into the Jesus orbit and it's like, well, yeah, you're fishing for men now. And by the way, for the rest of you guys, I'm going to make this really simple. What, what, what are you supposed to do? Seek first the kingdom. You know, Matthew 6, 33, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So Jesus reorientates purpose. So it wasn't for, for his followers. It wasn't a, I don't know what to do with my life. I've answered that. This is what you're about now. It's Matthew 6.33. It's an incredible gift, right? If you think about how much angst we have around purpose, Jesus comes in and goes, there it is. It's amazing. And yeah, with this, connected with this, is, is new authority um, and power. And the authority is, you see the authority where he just gives, he's, he sends them out. He's like, I'm going to give you authority to cast out demons and heal the sick, raise the dead. That's fine. Go for it. Go preach the gospel. And they do. And it's like, hello? <laughs> Where'd that come from? Well, that's heaven coming to earth. But that's, that's completely different, right? It's like, it's like the difference, again, between doing a university subject or doing an apprenticeship, right? You know, that moment, well, hey, now, now you, you can put a cut right through that concrete. What, with that thing that bucks like it? Yes, you do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, you, now it's real, right? Now it's real. And that's, that's kind of the experience for these disciples. They, they, know they know they're not up to snuff, but suddenly they're, in, they're up to their eyeballs in, in seeing people healed, preaching the gospel and raising the dead, driving out demons. Like, Where? What is this? Right? Like that's the experience. So, they're, so it's a very awesome apprenticeship. Um, we could probably list other new things. Um, have I missed? I've probably missed. We could go on, couldn't we? But I just wanted to kind of give you, give you that orientation that this was the experience of the disciples and that remains our best possible kind of idea of what it would be like to begin to follow Jesus. Like that's true for us as well. As we begin to follow Jesus, these things, these news are our news. Which is... That wonderful word, excitrifying, right? <laughs> That's excitrifying. What does any of that mean? I don't know. Like, it's like, really, me, me, me. Like, I'm going to be, yes, that's God's plan for you. Who? But today I just wanted to just 
So that all of that is coming. But I wanted to just speak to one thing in terms of the the new, the orientation. So as a disciple, like when we, we talked about, you know, you go into that new culture and it's like, oh, you're trying to figure it out, right? And you find something in the culture, it's like, oh, that's strange. And, and then it takes some adjustment, then you appreciate why it's there, right? I want to say that the, just speak to this one adjustment, right? But that is the key adjustment. When we think about heaven coming to earth, it's about God's space and our space joining up, right? And all these other things, what Jesus was trying to help people do was restore God to be their primary relationship. That is so radical. Now, as the Hebrew, in the Hebrew culture, they'd had that forever. Like, that love God, love neighbor, like, that, like they'd had this as a beat, right? But Jesus came in and supercharged it and showed them actually how it's done. They talked about it, they'd had it as an idea, but they'd never seen it done. They'd never seen a human love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the, you know those two things? So it's from Matthew 22 somewhere. <laughs> so, but that's what, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. No one had ever seen a human do that because a new human had never done that. Jesus came in as the God-man Jesus and began to do that. And he began to show people, this is how you live life with God as your primary relationship. And I got this smacked square between my eyes this week. Like, you know when a, a kind of a, a truth just come, jumps up and bites you like a brown snake or something? Um, God wants to be my primary relationship. So that means there's no other relationship in my life that is more important than my relationship with God. No other relationship. And as I began to think about that, I thought, hmm, <laughs> what would that mean? What would it mean for God to be the one who gets my best strength, my best time, my best attention, my best resources, not just the dregs, but my best. And I felt in myself, because I, I work too much at the moment, I'm trying to get out of my too many works, but um, I felt in myself such a relief, because I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like so many demands in my life, like just stuff just going, pulling me in this direction and that direction, wanting my but dun 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 dun, and trying to juggle all the stuff. And then God comes in and says, Andrew, you know the most important thing for you? It's not raising perfect kids or <laughs> ensuring your financial security or living my best life or any of those things, right? Like all those pressures we carry, right? It's not those things, Andrew. I just want you to love me with your, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what I want you to do. And so when you look back on your life at the end, 
That's going to be kind of the core question. Did you love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? When God looks at our lives, that's the lens he's looking through. I know that's a big topic and there's probably all sorts of questions around that. But that was, to me, a huge relief. It's like, what? so you mean you're not, I'm not going to be judged on how many plates I can keep spinning? No, it's, did you set your heart on me? Did you walk with me? And then loving the neighbor is going to come out of that. But did you do that? And that message, my friends, is good news. Because there's new power. It's very bad news if you work in a religious frame, because it's like, oh, no, I really can't do that. <laughs> That's really bad news, because now I'm going to be judged. No, 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 no. But the gospel is there's new power to enable you to love God in a way that takes God to love God, right? In a way that um, you never thought you could. Yeah, so that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I wonder for you this week whether in terms of God as your number one relationship, like if you think for a second about some relational shifts that you've had in your life, like an obvious one would be like baby comes into your life, right? It's like, oi, <laughs> baby. Uh, new relationship, lots of changes, <laughs> like everywhere, right? Um, you get married or something. Okay, lots of changes everywhere. You lose a spouse or something, lots of changes everywhere. Like we have those relational changes, like, oh, you, your kid leaves home, I don't know, whatever, right? There are relational changes that mean there are just changes to your, how you spend your time, how you, what you do, like the relationship forces change into those areas of your life, right? What would it mean for you this week for you to go, okay, how could I begin to make God my primary relationship? And what's one thing that I could change this week that would actually help move that relationship more into the primary place that God wants it to be? What's one thing I could do? So for me, it would be like, like one thing would be, you could stop checking the news so much. That'd be great. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's one thing. It's really practical. And I know that with my relationship with God, like it's about, it's about him having my attention. And I know that there's that moment when, I'm, when my heart goes, do, 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 do. And the first, first little comfort mo I reach for is my phone. Right? So this week it's like, uh, no. So that will, be the, that will be the thing I'm doing this week. You can check in with me about... How's your non-checking of the news going, Andrew? That would be a very fair question to ask me next week. Is there something like that for you? Where you know, yeah, if I shifted that thing, I reckon that would, that would help my heart begin to live out this truth that God's my number one relationship. Hmm. Don't, have to, don't have to answer it now. But, um, yeah. Let's have a so let's have a moment. We're just quiet and ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is really creative. 
And if you, in terms of trying to tell, is that the Holy Spirit or is that something else? If you're feeling condemnation around it, like, oh, you need to do more of blah, 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 blah. That's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, that's religion. Religion is condemnation. The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes and speaks, he will bring life and freedom and lightness. Like, oh, that's great. Um, some, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to bring challenge, but he's not going to bring condemnation. So, yeah. So that's all right. We just close your eyes. Um, just have a couple of moments. Just invite the Holy Spirit to come and... Um, And like in any relationship, there's, you know, it's good if you, if you feel like, actually, I haven't been, I haven't prioritized my relationship with God, then you just tell God that you're sorry and you want to start again. You start fresh.